0: Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Does the IT security industry have a problem with ageism? The pandemic has accelerated a trend that observers were already warning about even before older staff are leaving IT security, and with them, their knowledge and experience leaves too. What then can be done to encourage older workers to stay in the industry? Is ageism a problem? And if it is, how do we counter it? This week's guests are the intergenerational diversity expert and author, Henry Rose Lee, and Gurno Hacker from cybersecurity firm Appgate. AppGate recently commissioned a focus group study looking at attitudes to age in cybersecurity, as they now explain.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Seven. This is Gernot uh, Tecker speaking. I'm uh, with uh, AppGate. It's a company that's in the IT security sector. We are around for more than 20 years now. I'm part of the sales engineering team. We help the sales team to explain the product from a technical perspective. Uh, so we talked to lots of customers. And alongside that, we figured, although we have lots of different age groups in our company, that is so not true for other companies. So we reached out to Henry Rose Lee regarding having a look at why that might be the case in other companies, what we don't experience, but we see as sometimes an issue when talking to customers.
2: And my name is Henry Rose Lee, and I'm what's known as an intergenerational diversity and inclusion expert. And what that basically means is I look at all the generations in the workplace. So that's basically um, every age from the youngest generation Z up to the oldest who might be baby boomers or silence. And uh, I've been doing this for about six years. And prior to that, I had a learning and development background and sales and business development too. So quite a commercial background. And AppGate were reaching out to me because in deploying various uh, zero trust network access solutions to clients, they noticed just as Gernot was saying that there were people inside their organizations who were trying to integrate legacy systems with the new solutions from AppGate. And they were finding that there were was a lack of skills, which we know is in the cybersecurity industry anyway, there's a lack of skills, but also that there was a lack of older talent. And so that led them to reaching out to me and saying, let's look at this and work out whether there is any ageism there and whether there are any things that clients can do actively to support uh, generational diversity and inclusion for the benefit of their organisation and particularly in cybersecurity.
0: So what did you find?
2: We found a number of things. Uh, I think that we found that ageism is alive and well, thank you very much, in all industries, not just cybersecurity. But if we're looking at cybersecurity, there's two key findings that um, we found in terms of ageism. and One is that organizations that deal with cybersecurity tend to uh, be less able to hang on to their baby boomers, and those would be people who are in their mid-50s to their mid-70s. We found that there was a real exodus of baby boomers during the pandemic, Um, and there was a 2021 BM mainframe survey that showed there were a lot of baby boomers retiring. and In fact, there was another survey done by uh, Hargreaves Lansdowne, which is a big investment house, and it noticed across all industries that from 2020 on to 2021, one in 10 baby boomers um, were starting to retire. Whereas prior to COVID, it was one in 25. So there's definitely an exodus of baby boomers. And there definitely is ageism across all industries, not just those dealing with cybersecurity.
0: So what's interesting then, is it pull or push? Are people leaving the industry because they don't feel that their skills are valued, that there is discrimination, that perhaps they're seeing younger people getting preferential treatment or promoted ahead of them? In their minds, anyway, it may not always be the case objectively? Or is it that actually people say, well, look, I've built up uh, a certain degree of financial security. Uh, The situation at work at the moment with, say, working from home, working remotely doesn't necessarily suit. Uh, It's a good time to restock. I certainly know some people myself who've decided to step back and go back to to studying, for example, or take a professional qualification on the side and go down to, say, part-time work. So there's that chance to step back. And perhaps people have been pushed into that situation during the pandemic at an earlier point than they might have done otherwise. So again, is it push or is it pull?
2: Um, I think it's a bit of push and pull. And I'm going to pass to Gernot in a moment. But the first thing that I would say is there are two key responses that I can give you. One is that COVID made us all sit down and re-evaluate our lives. And when you're a baby boomer, you're older and the chances are that statistically you've got more financial security. And you might be thinking, well, I've done 20 years in cybersecurity. I'm not sure I want to hang on for very much longer. Why am I still doing this? And so we think that some of the exodus was due to that. But on the other hand, what you've got is that generally over the age of 50, Gallup research, certainly Gallup 2019 research, was finding that baby boomers were being treated in a way that made them feel they didn't want to stay. They were no longer considered to be high profile enough to have their career uh, continuously developed. And they also felt, seven out of 10 of them felt that they weren't getting the skills uh, development and the, the ongoing support for their for their work that they would have got if they was younger. So there's kind of a balance between feeling that they were um, past their sell-by date because that's how they retreated, but also COVID letting them re-evaluate their world and thinking, you know, I'm not sure we want to do that. Gernot, were you finding anything else? Because I know in AppGate, you you really don't have that problem. You have a very wide family of ages and people really enjoy working at AppGate so they don't tend to jump ships. So what did you find?
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly one of the reasons why we reached out to you, right? We, we figured that this seems to be a thing for, for customers, which we talked to a lot, especially due to COVID, because the core of what we do is uh, providing companies means to connect their user base remotely, right? Which subtly meant from like 10, 20% of users, more or less all of them had to be moved over to working from home. And alongside that, we figured, well, I myself, I'm 54, my boss is 54 as well. So there's another colleague. So that seems to be unusual already in the first place, right? On the other hand, what, what we saw is from an attitude perspective, right? We are pr- We were pretty happy, obviously, based on what we do, we kind of benefited from the situation. But I have a former colleague who is like 20 years younger than myself, and when we, he had to move over to the home office, he totally missed being amongst other people and he couldn't get it. And he simply said, well, I, I give all of that up because I can take it, I found something else. Uh, he reactivated his driver's teacher license and opened up, a, 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 not drivers, a, a diving license, right? And opened up a diving school in Bali because he couldn't bear it, this working from home, being on his own. I seem we other people can cope with that better. Uh, with a vision in mind, this hopefully will change at some point in time, while others are less patient. And that's what we sometimes see with, with customers, right? And, and also that the, the attention span seems to be much short, shorter with, with younger people than with, with elder, which you especially acknowledge quite a bit if you're on a video conference call, right? And you see that people drift away looking to the ceiling or whatever, just not being focused, right? And I guess that is something that you, that you can confirm uh, well. Uh, as, as well, Henry, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. One of the things that we found in the research was something that we've kind of known, but we really finalized it with our desk research. And that was around the fact that younger generations, whilst often being extremely tech savvy and very well educated, they know about cybersecurity, had some challenges. And one of them, as Gernot has just pointed out, is focus. And a piece of research that we did really uh, supported that challenge of focus, where younger generations tend to be, easily distractible, don't we all? But mostly younger generations tend to be easily distractible. They can get stressed very easily when there's lots going on. And whilst they were um, wanting to work from home, when it actually came with COVID, they struggled a bit with their mental health and they struggled with focus. Whereas being in the office, you can get shape and structure from working with other people. And consequently, on the other end of the scale, we found that baby boomers actually have very good focus. And in fact, we we found one report, which is uh, in the white paper that I completed, uh we which was from 2021 saying that without a shadow of a doubt, from the age of about 60, we gain an ability to focus and do deep thought that younger generations simply don't have. So in cybersecurity terms, when you think about the difficulty that you might have with a cyber attack or dealing with cyber fraud or having to deal with a fallout or a shutdown, that older generations were much better at focusing, much better at this deep thought, much better at critical thinking and therefore much better at problem solving. And surprisingly, the younger generation, with perhaps more training in cybersecurity, with a lot of awareness about it, were not necessarily as good at dealing with what do we do if everything shuts down. And that was one of the big surprises of the white paper.
0: So the question then for businesses is how to harness and value that it's not so much expertise, is it it's uh, it's experience and it's partly just the way your mind works at different stages in your working life.
2: Yes, I mean I would say, um, and I think Gernot would agree that um, an organisation is a family. and if you think about a normal family, you have grandparents and parents and children, and it should be the same in an organisation, so there should be a mix of skills and experience and age. And in fact, there's very little research on age diversity. There's a lot to say that older generations bring a benefit, but all generations should work together. And I think that's really the dream team where the youth of an organization who are very interested in innovation, novelty, rioting, change meet the older generation who still like innovation, novelty, rioting, change, but then want to add to it structure, stability and strategy. To me, when you put those together, you get the dream team. And I think that's really what you've achieved at AppGate, isn't it, Gernot?
1: Yeah, that might very well be the case. Uh, but also I think very, very important is an open-mindedness in general, right? And that's true for all of those age groups. And that's what I love, right? Our development, for example, is happening in Gothenburg and we call it the United Nations of AppGate because there are like 40-something people and barely 10% of them have actually a Swedish passport. And the reason being is that that we gather talent from all over the world and they enjoy working with us, right? And although you know that sometimes you get, oh, you grumpy old man or like, oh, you youngsters, right? Still the open mind is we try to to solve something and we work on that together. And it's kind of nice because everybody has a different way of thinking and working, right? Sometimes you have to be rather patient if you say, now let's find out why this isn't working. Uh, And then I tend to go through steps I I know based on, on many times I had stuff, right? Now I've got to do this, that, and that. And then on the other hand, the twenty-five-year-old is like, "Let's try this and that and that." Again, a bit of like lack of focus, right? And trying to be all over the place. Really different work style, but it, you can benefit from that as well. Because obviously, also when doing this, that, and that, you will find something that I never saw before myself because I just didn't run into that.
0: That works well on the application development, on the product development side of information security, but how does that translate potentially to people working within the the reactive side, so on a CISO team, in an organization, trying to counter the cyber threats that they're seeing on a daily basis?
2: Again, I'll I'll pass to Gernot in a moment because I think you can talk, Gernot, to the fact that older generations are much better placed to deal with uh, emergencies, crises and things like that because of their developed emotional intelligence. But certainly from the point of view of the research that I did and the, the white paper that I completed, what you would want is definitely to have older generations involved in any of these reactive responses, such as ransomware, or a sudden cyber threat or deciding what to do. And that's for a number of reasons. One is because older generations, so baby boomers are aged roughly between mid-50s to mid-70s. They have actually seen the dawn of these technologies. They've grown up with them. They've had to work with quite basic analog technologies through to highly technical technologies. So they've got experience. They've seen a lot of things go right. They've seen a lot of things go wrong. They're good at problem solving. So they're really the perfect experts to bring in because of this added emotional intelligence and ability for deep thought. So I would have suggested that they would be very, very important to bring in and that if they're not there, then organizations may well feel the lack of that. What do you think, up?
1: Yeah, that's very true. Also, what, what I see alongside that, as you were mentioning, is about um, I've, I feel that I understand lots of underlying technology happening. I don't need that. Nevertheless, I, I still uh, I learned how a processor works, right? Younger, they just work with it, right? They don't care dip what's in a what's in a mobile phone. They expect it to work simply. Have no idea why it's working, and and a part of that is if if you go into to um I'm a mode, right, and try to solve something. Uh, firstly, uh, if, if you are older, you're willing to take responsibility, right? And if if you have this discussion with with a with a, a younger colleague about let's do this, that, and that, and say well. Now we're trying to solve something that is an immediate problem to the company. Do you really want to jump forward and back and then afterwards if, if it fails because you're not focused and not have a plan? Do you want to take responsibility and being told, why did you do that? What was was what was your decision-making process? And you come up with, well, I thought it might be a good idea. That's not helping, right? So this awareness that if you take action, you also have to take responsibility, right? And alongside that, if you know how stuff works under the hood, this helps a lot understanding. And, and over the years, I sometimes uh, think back and remember of my course of studies, uh, where we had once, uh, obviously in our industry, it's lots about mathematics, right? So eventually some people gave up because of the high requirements in, in math. And, and sometimes uh, people were saying, well, why don't you explain that more deeply to, to the uh, instructor? And he's like, well, in the end, in our world, it all falls back to the four common uh, things you do in math. That um, subtraction, addition, multiplication, division, right? And sometimes now, I, now with 54, I, I acknowledge what this dude meant, right? If you know the basics, anything else comes on top of it. It's just so much these days that's on top of it. Because as with any technology, the more savvy it gets, it, it, it gets more closer to being perceived as magic, right? And younger generations are used to that. They expect it to work and kind of struggle if it doesn't.
2: Yeah, and I think there's that brings me to a, a key point in the paper, and that's that we were very surprised about younger generations such millennials, particularly those under 30. So we know that millennials under 30 in the cybersecurity world want flexibility, they want speed, they want lack of friction, and they want to be able to do things um, very smoothly and rapidly. And it's given them a, a more laid back approach. I mean, they're definitely tech savvy, savvy but are they always cyber savvy? So So, for example, NTT research in 2019 found that 39% of millennials would pay a ransom to a cyber uh, cyber criminal just to get back to work quickly, Um, and that was nearly 10% higher than those over 30. Also, millennials would uh, be over-optimistic as to how quickly things could get back to normal, and they often thought things would get back to normal about six days uh, faster than any other generation. And so, this is one of the biggest surprises that we were finding, that They were very well educated. They know about cybersecurity, but just as Gernot has said, they didn't necessarily understand everything and they hadn't really cared to understand anything. They just wanted things to happen quickly. And there was some BISCOM research from uh, 2020 showing that millennials in cybersecurity were twice as likely as older generations to prioritise simplicity and speed and getting work done over security, and that that could lead to them having a sort of more relaxed, laid-back view, which, of course, can be extremely dangerous. And that doesn't mean that they mean to be lacking in security or that they mean to do something wrong. But it's just, if that attitude is there, like Gernot is saying, you know, I just press this button and it all works, that they can have a tendency to miss the step-by-step, painful, patient uh, work towards getting the proper solution. So that was a big surprise for us.
0: So perhaps oversimplifying the problem. And again, that comes back to that t-shirt, doesn't it? You know, been there, seen it all, done it all, uh, which is the criticism that's often levelled at older people in the workforce, that they fall back on the same. well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, we've seen it all before. And that does militate against the idea of innovation, which is what uh, I think Gernot was referring to with his development centre in Sweden, trying to bring together people with different talents and attitudes to drive things forward. So then that raises the question from a management point of view, you know, what should the chief information security officer and the other people they work within the business, so HR and so forth, be doing to try to bring together the different talents that exist within the workforce and also to retain people as they move into uh, that sort of baby boomer generation.
2: In terms of CTOs or CIOs really working to develop the family inside the organization to get the best of all generations. There's some key basics that I'm sure they're doing already. And that is that it's very important to keep on training, to keep on raising awareness. So lots of learning and development skills across the generations, uh, not forgetting that older generations can still keep on learning. You're, you're, you're right in that at times they can get a closed mindset. Mindset, been there, done that, bought the t shirt. But a lot of the time, it's the learning and development, just making people aware that can be very useful. And I think it should be company wide, not just the cybersecurity specialists or the IT team. So we need to raise awareness in the same way that we have health and security, we now need cybersecurity. Because um, 20, 30 years ago, it didn't matter. Even 10 years ago, it wasn't as painful as it is now. Now the software and the hackers can go after one person. So it's a human challenge as well as infrastructure and technology. So, first thing, learning and development. Second thing, in the same way that you might run a major incident plan for health and safety, I would run major incident plans, doomsday plans for these kind of issues that might happen in an organisation so that people are aware of what they need to do, what they need to look out for. It's raising awareness and it's developing. In terms of keeping older generations, um, if I was ruling the world, what I would suggest is that Every organization, every senior leadership team looks at their baby boomers and says, Are they likely to leave? And if so, do we want to encourage them to stay? Because my research showed through my focus groups that if you ask baby boomers who were thinking of retiring or baby boomers who had retired from the cybersecurity industry, 80% of them would come back as consultants because they love the idea of problem solving and troubleshooting. And they love the idea of getting involved and trying to put something right when there's a problem or when they're having to be reactive because there's an emergency. So I would definitely see that in leaders looking at these older generations in terms of, okay, well, if we don't hang on to them full time, could we use them tactically or strategically when the need arises? Could we actually employ them on a consultancy basis? I think that would be a very good use of funds. So you're not having to spend money on the person the entire year, but you have got some benefits. Uh, Gernot, have you got anything to add?
1: Yeah, what, what I see generally, so what comes to mind right now is uh, a project I'm currently involved in. And we have there are two major technical points on contacts. And it's a company with like 60,000, 70,000 uh, people, so quite, quite a large global player. And we're talking about core access into their network up to the manufacturing lines, right? So the crown jewels of the company. And one of those chaps, he's like 50-something, the other dude is 20-something and uh, they had been brought together intentionally. They're actually external consultants coming from a, from Capgemini in this case. Uh, and, and uh, what I love about working with them, they're perfect aware, aware of what they are, where they're coming from, how different they are in different ways and they're playing with that. And that is so much fun to work with those guys, right? Because they fully open-mindedly accept that. Yeah. We have different attitudes based on where we're coming from, based on the years, with the older guy that we spend in the workplace. And, and I think that is something that more companies should do, simply accept the fact there are different talents coming with different age groups, right? And make the best of it and bring those teams together, which what we see where I'm working already. And this is so much fun working with those guys, right? Because he's always saying, the older guy's always saying, well, it's me, grumpy old, coming from that. And the other guy's like, well, and I always say, let's take it to a different level and make it more usable on top of that. And it's so much fun seeing that. And I think that's something that more comp- companies should embrace because it's benefiting you a lot. And alongside that, you won't even think about twice trying to release people that have experience because obviously they can benefit a lot the younger generation to get up to speed.
0: Have we found though, is there active discrimination against older people in the technology workforce in particular?
2: My view would be to say that there is no more ageism in the cybersecurity sector than there is throughout all of the other industries. I think ageism is alive and well at both ends of the spectrum. So one of the things that we noticed in the UK is that the largest number of unemployed people are the youngest. Um, And often the youngest can't get a job because they need experience and they can't get experience because they haven't got a job. At the other end, I think it is rife that people who are over the age of 50 or 55 are considered to be... Past their sell-by date, and they're often considered to be um, in the downside of their career, you know, coasting towards retirement, which is in today's world is just not true. So I wouldn't want to beat up cybersecurity and say that it's just them that have the problem. Everybody has the problem and it's something that we need to look at. And I loved what you said, Gernot, about um, the, the team from Cap Gemini, the younger and the older person. Because to me, when organizations consciously mix different generations together and are consciously aware that they have these different skills and experiences and worldviews and perspectives, you do get a dream team. If they can work together and understand that actually they've, they've both got some something to deliver to value to the organisation, then that really is worth doing.
0: And what we've seen recently is statistics, and this is quoted in the BBC on the day we're recording this, actually, that potentially 400,000 people have left the UK workforce since the pandemic has started. And the majority of those are at the older end of the spectrum. So uh, some people have gone back to study, uh, as we mentioned earlier, some people have taken early retirement and some people are uh, unwell. But that is quite a large percentage of the workforce to, to leave in a short space of time, and it's significantly more than would be expected to depart the workforce under normal circumstances. So is part of this then potentially bringing people back into the workforce. And cybersecurity has been complaining about, and the tech industry more widely, complaining about a skills shortage for some time. But we have this untapped potential, both of older and younger people. Is there something the industry should be doing now to try to bring more people in? And can players in the industry, can the firms in the business actually do something directly themselves to say, well, whatever your generation, this is an industry that is growing, it's important, it can be quite rewarding and we will help you develop those skills.
2: I actually agree with that entirely. Organisations can take action. They don't have to wait for legislation or to see what anybody else is doing in their industry. You're absolutely right. COVID has really encouraged an awful lot of older workers to retire for all sorts of reasons. And it's unprecedented. It's, it's absolutely been uh, boomeranged by the, uh, by the pandemic. So I would encourage leaders to reach out to older talent, whether those are Gen X who are in their 40s and 50s or it's baby boomers, and encourage them back as, as, a, as consultants, as associates, Um, as trainers, and if they feel that that older generation isn't quite up to speed, then train them. It's got to be worth the money, because if you train up some of these slightly older individuals, what you'll find is they bring their emotional intelligence with them, their critical thinking skills, their problem-solving skills, their ability to manage multiple stakeholders, their ability to focus and do deep thought. And they can be trained up. Um, I think, Gernot, you once said to me that in your organization at AppGate, you tend to employ people who have the right mindset and attitude, and then you train them up because you know that you can benefit from them. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's what I always say. But That's me personally, right? When, when hiring, I want to have fun at work, right? And I'm lucky that what I do is actually I consider that my hobby. So I'm, I'm basically living the dream, right? I can do what I love doing, and I love working with others, and you can have the best professional with the best grade and everything but uh, and and i guess we all of uh, all of us know that right if you meet somebody for the first time and you shake hands if the hair in your neck goes up, this will never work out, no matter how good that person is. And that's, to me, a very strong focus, right? And uh, the same is true for the Gothenburg office, for example. I know it's in the US the same. At least three or four different people in an organization will have an interview with a new candidate because we want to get feedback, especially from a personal level. Will this individual fit into the team? Anything else will follow suit as long as those people are
0: motivated. And then if you can bring people in or keep people, and I think maybe the emphasis should be more on keeping people they can then share some of those skills uh, and Henry you mentioned emotional intelligence there but they can share some of those skills and experience with younger people and provide that mentoring and that's one area that younger people have said has been very lacking in the last two years because they've not been in the office it's very hard to develop those business and professional relationships and mentoring arrangements with uh, your peers or your seniors over a uh, conference call uh, or a video a link such as zoom and not having those moments where people can you know just sit down over coffee and you know, work through a problem together. So is that something that potentially we could turn around and say, look, let's turn this into a positive, you know, acknowledge the problem, but here are some things that we can do.
2: I think it's entirely possible. Uh, you're absolutely right that the younger generation um, really struggled during lockdowns and they were missing things like socialisation, you know, connecting with people, engaging with people, you know, having a coffee, g- going out to lunch, that sort of thing. Those happenstance discussions at the water cooler, they're really quite important for people's emotional wellbeing, but also from learning from somebody. If you can trot along to someone's workplace and just say to them, um, oh, I was working on this, what do you think about it? And get instant feedback. That's amazing. And that's very, very difficult when we're doing video conferencing. And I think organisations are going to be moving to hybrid work. I'm not sure we're going to get everybody back in a workplace when they're able to work from home. And I do accept that 60% of the global workforce has to go out to work to do work. But the 40% who are doing jobs uh, that are more in uh, office-based or workplace-based I think that getting them back in and encouraging the older generation to really sit down and talk to them about how they problem solve, how they work through something like Gernot does with his teams. So he'll talk about it from his point of view and his expertise. And I think sharing that and encouraging that mentoring is vital and, and giving feedback on what someone's doing so that they can actually see that they're getting praise for when it's working well and they're getting development feedback for when they could do better.
1: At some point in time, you're not getting further. As you're saying, right, go grab a coffee, join a colleague, right? And give your mind time to process and exchange with others. And that's what's part of the fun. And, and that got lost a bit. And hopefully this is going to come back, this meeting up in person, because we need that as human beings.
0: Go no hacker there on how cybersecurity professionals stand to benefit from the chance to work with others again, including across generations. That, though, is all for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks' time on February the 9th, and I hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thank you to our guests, and thank you for listening.